0: This is Guns and Butter.
1: This
2: who benefits issue is crucial to understanding who's actually behind terrorism because you know terrorism is a military uh, tactic. That's all it is. It means attacking civilians uh, as a military tactic. So whenever civilians are attacked the people attacking them are the people who benefit from it. This is a crucial thing to keep in mind. And I don't think the left will ever succeed until it wakes up and recognizes that it's the left that is the real main victim of false flag terror.
0: I'm Bonnie Faulkner. Today on Guns and Butter, Dr. Kevin Barrett. Today's show, Manchester False Flag. Kevin Barrett has taught Arabic, Islamic studies, folklore, African literature, French, and humanities at the University of Wisconsin-Madison and San Francisco State University. He holds a Ph.D. in African languages, Arabic, with an Islamic studies focus from the University of Wisconsin-Madison. He is the editor of a trilogy of anthologies on false flag terror. We are not Charlie Hebdo, free thinkers, question the French 9-11, another French false flag, bloody tracks from Paris to San Bernardino, and his most recent Orlando false flag, the clash of histories. Today we discuss the UK Manchester Concert Arena terror event in the context of Britain's upcoming national election and what is at stake politically. Kevin Barrett, welcome.
2: Hey, it's great to be back with you, Bonnie.
0: Your article, Manchester False Flag, Man 22, Kills 22, on May 22, was published the day after the Manchester UK Concert Arena bombing. You write, quote, the New York Times, all the new world order that's fit to print, featured the signature numeral 22 in both the headline and subhead, and mentioned the fortuitous ID that somehow always turns up to finger the patsies. What, if any, significance is there to the number 22?
2: Well, you know, Bonnie, a lot of people ask that, uh, and in retrospect, I think maybe I wish I could have found a better way to sort of headline and begin the article rather than with this uh, very controversial and far-fetched sounding uh, reference to the numerology of false flag terror attacks. Um, The people who have studied this uh, often come around, uh, as I did, uh, to recognizing that this is a real issue, Uh, but the unconverted, who were the people we're trying to reach, tend to be skeptical, and uh, I I hope that they don't just jettison the whole article because it it started with this kind of controversial and and weird-sounding reference to false flag terror numerology. You know, I I was skeptical, too. Uh, After 9-11, when I started hearing from Captain Eric May, a retired former Army intelligence officer who was writing op-eds for the Houston Post, until they fired him because he came over to 9-11 Truth, uh, he he told me and and spent a lot of time convincing me that, in fact, the perpetrators of these events do sign them uh, with numerological references. So that just as graffiti artists tag buildings uh, to show they were there, they own that building, this gang owns it. Likewise, the gang that pulls off these false flag stunts, signs their events using numbers. That is, when the newspaper reports an event like this with multiples of 11, for example, this is a clear sign to members of the gang that this is one of our events. And as Captain Eric May said, I don't believe in numerology, but it seems that they do. So uh, with this particular event in Manchester, all of those 22s really jumped out at me um and and you know the the idea of 11 and multiples of 11 being related to these events is actually fairly clear once you look into it you know the two big deep state events of all time uh, the Kennedy assassination and 911 both had multiples of 11 in them uh JFK was on 22, 1963 and 911 of course was the, uh, the, the take it to 11 event of all time. So anyway, uh, there's a long history of this. If you'd like, I, I could go into some of the other examples of 11s popping up uh, wherever you see these kinds of events.
0: Well, yeah, why don't you do that, Kevin? I mean, I notice in your article you list at least six more events with this uh, 22.
2: Yeah, yeah, that was actually, I think that was Ole Damgaard that supplied that list, although I thought of some of them too. The uh, fake beheading of drummer Lee Rigby happened on uh, May 22nd, the same date, uh, exactly four years earlier, in 2013. The Brussels attack was on March 22nd. The Munich attack was on uh, was it July 22nd. The London attack uh, was on March 22nd. That was a year after Brussels. Uh, that is this year. Uh, and then there was the uh, Norway attack on i guess july 22nd 2011. so those are the ones i think that that listed There are actually of course more uh, and when we start bringing in the number that the the 11 number we we find that there are all sorts of these uh interesting uh historical uses of, of this number to to sign these kinds of events uh for example the the euro was invented on 1 1 1999 uh, in exactly 11 countries. And, uh, well, you know, so why, why the interest in 11? Of course we don't know because we're not part of this gang, but the likelihood is that there's some kind of Freemasonic aspect to this. Freemasonry is used as a kind of a private club for, uh, the bankers and the top, you know, capitalists, the people who really run the world and their symbols, uh, their number one symbol is the twin pillars of Hakim and Boaz, and so those two pillars form the numeral one one or eleven. That's probably the main uh, source of this fascination with the number eleven.
0: Is there any significance to the number of people that they say were wounded?
2: Uh, well, I believe what, what did they come up with? Uh, I think they came up with was one hundred and nineteen wounded, didn't they? Uh, that yes, that was. That's right. Yeah, that. And I don't know if that stayed. Uh, if, if that's the current one, but I, I certainly noticed that a couple of days later. And of course, eleven nine would be the British uh, way of writing nine eleven, since they they put the uh, the date first and then the month. So, so uh, the September eleventh attack in Britain would be eleven nine. And so here we had one hundred and nineteen wounded. Um, and and again, it's easy to write this off as coincidence and say people like me are crazy for even looking into this. But we see this pattern over and over and over where. Uh, newspaper reports of these events. You know, and I'm not saying the number of actual wounded people or dead people is necessarily exactly these numbers, but the uh, the folks behind these events control the media, as obviously they must <laughs> to prevent them from being exposed. So the media then, you know, reports these events, kind of signing them for the Freemasonic group behind them by uh, reporting these numbers of dead and wounded.
0: Right, exactly, Kevin, because these numbers may not be correct at all, but these are the numbers that are reported in the mainstream news, and that's what makes them significant. A story on Zero Hedge is entitled, Outraged UK Stops Sharing Attack Information with US Due to Media Leaks. Pictures published by the New York Times included the explosives' potential detonator, shrapnel, and power source, and the rucksack carried by what is described as a suicide bomber and showed bloodstains amid the wreckage as well as naming the suspected suicide bomber. Why would releasing these pictures be so threatening to the U.K.?
2: Well, that's a good question, and the mainstream stories about this don't even attempt to answer it, but the obvious answer to me is suggested by what the mainstream stories say is the fact that these photos that the U.S. released uh, show that the so-called suicide bomb actually had a, a special kind of trigger, which was not a suicide trigger. It's a remote trigger, meaning that it would have been used by somebody else to uh, blow up the suicide bomber from from somewhere far away uh, and they they say that well this would be in case the suicide bomber lost his nerve but it seems more likely that in light of previous experience such as the fact that in Iraq during the Iraq war uh, a great many of the alleged suicide bombs were in fact remotely controlled human detonations in which the uh, victim and Patsy, was hired by the occupation forces or elements thereof and given a package to transport somewhere, maybe in the trunk of the car or what have you, and then blown up by remote control and reported as a suicide bomb. Uh, There were a number of instances in which Iraqis who'd been paid by the occupation to deliver packages got stopped and went to go to the bathroom. And at the time where they should have been delivering their package, suddenly their car blew up, things like that. So uh, basically, these photos suggest that this was not a suicide bomb and that somebody else detonated the alleged bomber, who therefore may very well have been completely innocent. He may have thought that there was something else in the package he was carrying.
0: You posted a video CNN analyst calls Manchester a possible false flag. When I clicked on the link to YouTube, I got the message, quote, this video has been removed by the user. Sorry about that. Can you describe the video that has now been removed?
2: Yes, if memory serves, that was CNN analyst Paul Cruikshank uh, showing that his his first reaction to the bombing was that, well, maybe it was a false flag by right-wing forces, uh, as so many European uh, events have turned out to be. Uh, And then again, he said, if it was a suicide bomber, then very likely the hypothesis that it it was a radical Muslim is probably true. So I'm paraphrasing, but that's basically what Cruikshank said. Now, to me, there were a couple of really interesting points there. One is that Cruikshank was essentially endorsing my false flag trilogy, uh, my books We Are Not Charlie Hebdo, another French false flag, and Orlando false flag, which also treats the Nice attack in France, because these three books uh, expose the biggest recent so-called radical Islamic terror attacks in Europe as clear and evident false flags. And as far as I know, the only uh, false flag in which a Muslim was set up as the Patsy, and then it was actually done by right-wing extremists that the mainstream has admitted uh, happened that way, is this recent case in Germany, where members of the German military have been uh, arrested for a plot to stage terror attacks and blame them on Muslims. So Cruikshank, though, wasn't just referring to that German plot, the only one that the mainstream admits uh, is a false flag plot. Rather, he said that there were many of them in Europe. And that means that he must be reading my false flag trilogy and referring to these other events like the Charlie Hebdo bombing of January 2015, The November 13th bombing of 2015 in Paris, or rather the bombing and and attacks at the Bataclan and so on. Uh, The false flag truck attack in Nice uh, and so on. And that's amazing that CNN would feature somebody saying something like that. Now, now the one thing that Crookshank said that uh, I found a bit offensive was that, oh, if it's a suicide bomber, it must be a Muslim. Uh, In fact, Robert Pape, the University of Chicago professor in his book Dying to Win has pointed out that suicide bombing is not a Muslim thing. It has nothing to do with Muslims. In fact, it was pioneered by a radical secularist group, the Tamil Tigers. It's been used by people of any and no religious persuasion. It's always used against occupation forces in occupied countries. And these alleged suicide bombings that generally turn out to be false flags uh, are you know, always attributed to Muslim patsies because these are public relations stunts designed to drive the you know, so-called war on terror, which is really a disguised war on Islam and the enemies of Israel. So CNN is, is a, a strange place to get the kind of truth that normally you would only be getting from places like uh, like your radio show or mine.
0: I'm speaking with author and radio host Dr. Kevin Barrett. Today's show, Manchester False Flag. I'm Bonnie Faulkner. This is Guns and Butter you also posted a link Mossad hatemonger Pam Geller furious at CNN analyst for saying false flag I went to her website and again a video that was posted there had been removed who is Pam Geller
2: <laughs> well I you know a better question might be who's removing all these videos <laughs> uh, yeah Pam Geller is, is a notorious uh, Islamophobe And, you know, she goes all over the country, you know, trying to promote the idea that Muslims are evil and a huge threat to everything. And, you know, basically she's an agent of the hardline right-wing Zionist contingent over in Israel, namely Bibi Netanyahu and his folks. So Pam Geller, uh, this face of Islamophobia in America, not a particularly pretty face, uh, put out a a very angry uh, attack uh, against Paul Cruikshank and CNN for speculating that this bombing uh, in uh, in Manchester might be a false flag. So uh, I thought it was interesting that you know Pam Geller and uh, Alex Jones, the you know one of the former leading lights of the 9/11 Truth Movement. We're on the same page here. Both of them were uh, criticizing CNN for calling this a likely false flag. Alex Jones and Pam Geller are now on the same page. They're both promoting Islamophobia. And so if, if there's a false flag blamed on an Islamic patsy, they want to make sure that people keep blaming that Islamic patsy because their number one priority is to demonize Muslims on behalf of Zionism. Uh, so I think we're living in a very strange new world—a brave new world, maybe—when CNN is revealing false flags right when they happen, or at least you know raising that possibility. <laughs> Whereas uh, Alex Jones and Pam Geller are on the opposite side, uh, telling us, "No, no, go back to sleep. Don't even think about false flags. Just blame the Patsy, blame the Muslims." Uh, it's, I, I found that kind of shocking. <laughs>
0: Who else is weighing in on the Manchester Arena bombing as being a false flag attack? Who is Steve Brookstein?
2: Oh, you know, Steve Brookstein, I guess, is a a TV star. Uh, He was on a show called X Factor. And so he was tweeting, he tweeted about this being a possible false flag, and he got a lot of responses. And so he just kept on tweeting and defending his interpretation that this looks like a false flag. And this is where, Bonnie, I really need to emphasize, uh, this maybe is where we should have started uh, the show. Because the numerology is very interesting, but it's not really the issue. The real issue, which which Brookstein and a lot of other people uh, understand all too well, is that this event massively... Benefited Theresa May, the incumbent Conservative Prime Minister who's running against a left wing insurgent, Jeremy Corbyn, a a very, very uh, good guy, a man of integrity, and a close friend of Michael Meacher, the most famous UK voice of 9 11 truth. Uh, Corbyn, when he became Labour Party leader, was approached by Meacher, who was working on behalf of 9-11 victims' family members in the UK to try to get an independent UK investigation of 9-11 from the you know, perspective that it looked like an inside job going. So Meacher then suddenly died, with, a, as the newspaper said, after a very short illness. Um, but Corbyn is also on record as uh, asking hard questions about 9-11. So, for that reason, and for many other reasons, including his determination to shut down the Israeli nuclear program, Jeremy Corbyn has been deemed unacceptable as a possible future leader of the UK. And this false flag event, as Steve Brookstein insinuates, uh, would have been arranged to rally the kind of conservative uh, people of, of the UK and ordinary people, people who aren't aware of these things, behind Theresa May who's seen as a kind of a hardliner and an authoritarian and against Jeremy Corbyn, who is a kind of a, a questioner, somebody who's, who's not, uh, you know, the hardline patriotic type. So it, it's clearly, it's happening. It happened two weeks before this UK election, which is coming up very shortly, uh, maybe three weeks, two to three weeks, not, not very long before the election. And, uh, and anybody with eyes can see that this bombing, is a a huge boost to Theresa May, a huge problem for Jeremy Corbyn, who had been surging right before the bombing. It's the same way that that, uh, Mélenchon, the left-wing candidate in in France, uh, the French Corbyn, the French Bernie Sanders, had been heading for victory with a huge surge, and suddenly a big false flag bombing happens in Paris, and Mélenchon's candidacy is destroyed. And uh, and now, you know, now we have the New World Order banksters in charge of France. Well, they're doing the same thing in the UK to make sure that Corbyn doesn't win, to make sure that Theresa May does.
0: You point out in your article that when a suspected false flag event raises its ugly head, the first question always is, who benefits? And this is what you've been talking about. Uh, you point out in your article that labor activist Debbie Hicks wrote that, quote, what has happened in Manchester is awful, and my thoughts are with the families. However, I can't help thinking this is wonderful timing for Theresa May. It is well known that politicians use events as part of their campaigns or messages. Well, there was a lot of pushback against her comments, weren't there?
2: Of course. Uh, and just, just like uh, after 9-11 here in the US anybody who started asking questions right away was was muzzled you know Dan Rather is on record saying that after 9/11 people were being necklaced you know figuratively with tires like the way that flaming tires were put around the necks of people in South Africa uh, that anybody who got out of line about nine eleven would get the equivalent of a flaming tire around their neck. This was in the the days right after nine eleven, when the national mood was was so angry and you know patriotic, rally around the flag behind our great leader George Bush. You know, and so it's the same kind of situation over in the UK where people who are reacting instinctively with this you know, atavistic sort of uh, tribal response, rally around the great tribal leader against the evil enemy who did this horrible thing. Those kind of people, of course, are rallying around Theresa May. And so to suggest that it was actually Theresa May and or her, her partisans who did this precisely so she would benefit in this way is very threatening to people who are governed by by these primal caveman emotions rather than rational thought. And so these uh, people in, in this emotional frenzy uh, got very angry at uh, Miss Hicks for uh, voicing these thoughts. But I think that uh, she's not the only one. Debbie Hicks is is far from the only uh, Labour Party person in the UK who understands this. There have been a number of others, actually, who've, who've written about it as well in the ensuing days, and I wouldn't be surprised if... The split you know, between the people who are suspicious about this and those who aren't could very well be about 50-50 because false flag consciousness has been spreading very rapidly uh, all over the world. And in the UK, the Brexit referendum passed immediately after a false flag designed to stop it. That was a murder of uh, a well-known politician by a Brexit supporter. This was the way it was cast, right before the Brexit referendum. And then a huge response that this looked like a false flag uh, went out in many, many corners of the Internet uh, and even in some of the you know the larger media. And that actually backfired, and Brexit miraculously passed. So it's possible that this could backfire against Theresa May, uh, but I, I'd say that possibility is, is not a very strong one. Uh, but again, Debbie Hicks is not the only... Labour Party person seeing this, and so one hopes that they can find a way to communicate this to enough people in the UK to neutralize the uh, pro-May effect of the likely false flight.
0: When we were earlier talking about other um, terror attacks that happened on the 22nd of the month, uh, included in that is also this London attack of March 22nd of this year. That was near Westminster Abbey, right?
2: Indeed. And that is an iconic location. Of course, that's the same, you know, it's by the Parliament where Guy Fawkes uh, was, you know, the first great false flag patsy of the modern era. You know, Fox was a radical Catholic who was set up with a barrels of wet gunpowder in the basement beneath Parliament and arrested of course that gunpowder never could have gone off it was all a big uh, public relations stunt and the claim was that these radical catholics are trying to you know they hate our freedoms they're going to blow up parliament they could have killed the whole government and so every preacher in the church of england uh went out and you know preached a fiery sermon against the evil radical catholics and this happened uh in was it 1603 i think it was was right around the turn of that century And this was used to repress Catholics in the U.K. as part of that civil power struggle, that civil war almost. And then it was also used to launch wars against Spain and Portugal. And these were the wars that built the British Empire. So the British Empire, which is the basis of today's Anglo-Zionist empire, was created a little over 400 years ago with a huge false flag terror stunt beneath the parliament building right there by Westminster uh, where this event happened. And there are, again, many indications that this uh, March 22nd Westminster attack was another uh, false flag, just like all of these that we're talking about.
0: The Tory government of Theresa May has been proposing a dementia tax which has made her run for prime minister, as you mentioned, that's coming up in a couple of weeks, uh, quite unpopular. What's a dementia tax?
2: Well, actually, I'm not, I'm not sure, uh, Bonnie. This is from an article by, uh, there's There's a, another well-placed guy over in the UK who, like Debbie Hicks, who, who wrote a terrific piece pointing out that Jeremy Corbyn was surging uh, against Theresa May right in the run-up to this attack, and, and apparently uh, there's some kind of scandal uh, targeting Theresa May around this so-called dementia tax, but I haven't had the time to look into the details of precisely what this tax is, but it's apparently uh, something that's given Theresa May a big black eye, but now it's being forgotten in all the hysteria over the Manchester attack.
0: Right. I, th- I think that what is popularly called a dementia tax it has something to do with uh, putting a cap on lifetime care costs. It's got to do with their health care program. And in fact, um, I did see a video online of Theresa May being interviewed about this. And in fact, it was uh, making the Tory party so unpopular. I think perhaps they've dropped that now. But I mean, the whole point of bringing it up is really that, well, like you said, the the Labour Party was surging against the Tory Party,
2: right? And the the larger significance here, Bonnie, is that the this dementia tax issue uh, is it's part of a, a set of issues in which the the Tories are scaling back all kinds of social benefits even further and and there you know there's been a massive scaling back of social benefits and pro-labor policies since the 60s and 70s and this has often been done with various kinds of dirty tricks uh in and perhaps even assassinations there's uh stories about harold wilson the labor prime minister who is a bit like jeremy Corbyn in certain respects uh who was systematically undermined by these kinds of dirty tricks uh, and so, as in France with Mélenchon, the, the French Bernie Sanders, and as here in the U.S. with Bernie Sanders uh, being stopped in his tracks by dirty tricks—you know, in this case it was, of course, uh, the Democratic uh, Party and whoever else was was in charge of stealing votes, uh, rigging the primary election to stop Bernie Sanders and to make sure Hillary Clinton got the nomination. Uh, decision, of course, blew up in their faces uh, when Hillary became the the only candidate unpopular enough to conceivably ever lose to Donald Trump. Uh, In all these cases, we see these kind of uh, new left-wing leaders, and these are people who are, you know, they're not on board with the, you know, identity politics garbage of the fake left that's taken over and contaminated the left. Uh, People like Tony Blair, uh, who's really a Tory uh, disguised as a Labour Party leader, well, now these these are people who are actually championing sort of the traditional left, which is arguing for more social equality and for taxing the rich, making them pay their fair share, and uh, basically using that to build a more egalitarian society. This is is strongly opposed by elements of the oligarchy who absolutely do not want to see somebody like Bernie Sanders or uh, Mélenchon... Uh, or uh, in, in in the UK, uh, Jeremy Corbyn in power, because they, they don't want to pay the kind of taxes associated with these social benefits programs. There's been this neoliberal rollback of all kinds of social spending since, uh, well, since the 1980s, really, the Reagan era. And now we're seeing that potentially being reversed with the popularity of these left-wing candidates uh, Sanders, Mélenchon, and Corbyn, and, and there, there are people like that in other countries as well. Uh, so this is a, a really a global issue.
0: I'm speaking with author and radio host Dr. Kevin Barrett. Today's show, Manchester False Flag. I'm Bonnie Faulkner. This is Guns and Butter.
2: And the oligarchy is, they're in charge of the kinds of institutions that are capable of mounting these false flag spectacles, uh, whether we're talking about the intelligence services, whether we're talking about the elements of organized crime that work with the intelligence services, whether we're talking about uh, free Masonic groups, where the highest levels are the extremely uh, wealthy old boys who all know each other, all of these institutions are controlled by the oligarchy. And so they're more than capable of creating these terror events to swing elections one way or another. And so they, they swung the French election uh, away from Melenchon with a terror event. They're trying to do the same thing in the UK right now. They stopped Bernie Sanders with election fraud and other dirty tricks. And uh, I wouldn't put really anything past them because you know, these people are ruthless and they're armed to the teeth with these various mechanisms for playing dirty tricks and rigging the political process. And I don't think the left will ever succeed until it wakes up and recognizes that it's the left that is the real main victim of false flag terror. You know, today it looks like it's Muslims who are the main victims. So many leftists think, "Oh well, well, those Muslims—they're a bunch of reactionaries anyway," you know, and so on and so forth. Maybe it's better if the Muslims, you know, get whacked, and you know, maybe there'll be more progress that way. This is the—you know—this is a very uh, mistaken mentality because it's actually the left that's getting hammered by these false flags more than anyone from the era of Op- of Operation Gladio in the nineteen sixties and seventies, when the majority, in fact, virtually all of the most high-profile. Uh, terror attacks that were blamed on the left whether it was from the Bader-Meinhof gang in Germany or from the Red Brigades in Italy or the various spin-offs of these kinds of groups this was all orchestrated by Operation Gladio which was run by the US Pentagon through NATO using its organized crime and freemasonic affiliates so the whole wave of terror during the Cold War we now know thanks to the research of people like Professor Daniel Ganser uh, author of NATO's Secret Armies was all orchestrated by these kinds of institutions of the oligarchy. It wasn't left-wingers at all doing any of this stuff. Likewise, with anti-Israeli terrorism, a fair bit of that, and certainly the most high-profile events, uh, have also been orchestrated by the Israelis themselves. Uh, It's a pattern we see over and over, and it's the left that gets victimized, whether it was the left being kept out of power due to the effect of Operation Gladio whether it's the left-wing anti-globalization movement, as manifested in Seattle right before 9/11, that gets completely hammered and shut down because of the effect of 9/11, it's the left that loses from these things, and now we're seeing this with you know Bernie Sanders uh, knocked out with dirty tricks, Melon Show knocked out with a big false flag, and now Corbyn maybe being knocked out with another big false flag. The right-wing oligarchy knows that people are governed by these primal emotions and if you shock them and make them fearful they will rally around the flag Uh, it's a primal response and their critical rational thought will shut down and what is conservatism if not uh you know dependence on sort of this non-rational emotional attachment with tradition and what is the left if not an approach to using critical thinking to figure out how we can organize things better, which usually means taking power away from people who have traditionally claimed it due to these kinds of you know, emotion-based kinds of traditions. So the left is the main loser from false flags. And you know we're going to the left forum in New York next week, and this is the message I'm going to be conveying to them, that rather than trying to shut us out, which they've done... Uh, the left forum and the left wing everywhere on the planet needs to wake up and see that their number one issue needs to be false flags because false flags are the issue that's being used by the oligarchy to kill the left, and it's been going on since at least the 60s with Operation Gladio, and we could even trace it long before that, you know, further back into history.
0: Yes, the upcoming left forum in New York City has Uh, canceled or prevented uh, three false flag panels from appearing, but these three panels are going to appear anyway in another location. Isn't that right?
2: Yes, uh, the three uh, censored panels will be appearing uh, in a location quite close to the the regular left forum, and and we're going to call it the left-out forum. And so all three of these panels will, in fact, be presented. And it's interesting, the ones that they canceled were the ones that I'm on. And, and they were the titles of these canceled, uh, censored panels are uh, Terrorism, Fake Enemies, Fraudulent Wars, uh, False Flags, Staged Scripted Mass PSYOP Events, and 9-11 Truth, Ground Zero for a Resistance Movement. So they, they didn't want people at the left forum to know about fake terrorism, false flags, and 9-11 truth. And again, this is crazy, because the left is the main victim of these false flags, and when the left leaders, paid off by the oligarchy through foundations, stick their heads in the sand and refuse to look at this, they are complicit in their own demise.
0: Yes, this has been going on ever since the events of September 11, 2001, and it's a shame. It continues. The censorship of anti-war resistance movements and 9-11 truth. It's being censored to this day, and it's been how long now? 16 years.
2: That's right. The left has has played a very unconstructive role in 9-11 truth. Again, the left should have picked up the ball and run with it after 9-11. In fact, the moment that Building 7 came down at 5.20 in the afternoon on on 9-11, anybody with a brain who saw that, you know, should have said, wait a minute, uh, this is uh, you know obvious controlled demolition, and and just as Dan Rather said, the towers sure looked like demolitions too. What's going on here? And that question should have continued to be asked, but they stopped. The, the you know obviously the conservative supporters of Bush and Cheney are not going to be predisposed to ask those questions, but the left is supposed to be not only the the opposition to Bush and Cheney, it's supposed to be the place of critical, skeptical, rational thinking and speaking truth to power. But it didn't happen, because people like Noam Chomsky, the author of his book uh, 9-11, the bestseller, uh, that book was designed to shut down the left's critical inquiries into 9-11 by saying that even though there's surprisingly little evidence that bin Laden and the 19 Arabs had anything to do with it, uh, we should just assume that they did it anyway. And and, I mean, that's actually pretty much what Chomsky said. And his book is full of similar thought stoppers. Uh, I I exposed his book and, and discussed it at great length at the left forum last year. And maybe it was my going to the left forum and attacking noam chomsky which is a little bit like going to the vatican and attacking the pope that got me banned this year but the banning is in name only because i will be there uh, in the left out forum right there near the, the actual left forum uh, giving these panels and i think that it may backfire on them and there may be even more interest in these banned panels uh, than than if they hadn't bothered to ban us
0: The election in the United Kingdom is June 8th, a little over two weeks after the Manchester Arena bombing, which you have pointed out. Now, running for prime minister, of course, is Theresa May, uh, the Tory leader, uh, against uh, Jeremy Corbyn. How would you characterize what their separate agendas are. You've talked pretty much already at length about that, but what do these two different candidates represent? For instance, what investigations is leader of labor Jeremy Corbyn interested in pursuing?
2: Well, uh, Corbyn uh, is basically just a, an old-fashioned, um, honest person of goodwill who's found himself in a, a leading position through you know, no fault of his own, no great desire of his own. No, he's not a power-grubbing, game-playing kind of guy. He's, he's he, you know, a little like Bernie Sanders, only I think in some ways uh, actually more appealing. And uh, he he is interested in uh, taking on some very, very uh, dangerous issues. Uh, 9-11, I already mentioned. Uh, he was a very close friend of Michael Meacher, uh, the former environment minister, who supported David Ray Griffin and spoke out at length about 9-11 during the several years after 9-11. And then uh, there are rumors that he was threatened, and he shut up for a while and then came back and started working on creating an independent UK investigation into 9-11 on behalf of the victims' families. Uh, And then he suddenly dropped dead. So this is Corbyn's, one of his best friends. Um, And Corbyn himself is on the record supporting 9-11 truth. So that's one investigation that Corbyn might support that could uh, lead to the oligarchy being very insistent about the fact this guy cannot be trusted with power. Another area that he, he's taken on that is, is perhaps even more controversial in some ways is his uh, opposition to extremist Zionism in general and Israeli nuclear weapons in particular. There's been a huge public relations push against him during the last six months or even longer, ever since he was labor leader, even a little before that when he was you know going to become labor leader – the, the hardline Zionist lobby in the U.K. has been trying to trash him as an anti-Semite. And, of course, there's no uh, substance to this whatsoever. Uh, he's the, the least prejudiced person you could ever imagine, uh, but he's opposed to various abuses associated with the state of Israel and has spoken out about them. And so that's been probably the the biggest uh, force against him uh, ever since he really appeared as the next labor leader, this, this Zionist pushback. And one of the issues that he's raised, Corbyn has actually called for uh, a political process uh, aimed at decommissioning Israel's nuclear weapons program. Now, this is the issue, Bonnie, that got JFK killed, among others, perhaps. But it's it's very clear that, that President Kennedy, who was a sworn enemy of David Ben-Gurion's nuclear weapons program, Uh, was very likely uh, taken out in part because of that issue. Uh, The evidence may be circumstantial, but it's it's pretty strong evidence. James Angleton, the CIA counterintelligence chief, who was also an Israeli Mossad asset, being a key player in orchestrating the assassination of President Kennedy, and Lyndon Johnson was also essentially an Israeli asset as well. Uh, Michael Collins Piper's book, Final Judgment, goes into those issues. Uh, so here we have Jeremy Corbyn taking on the issue that got JFK killed, which is Israel's nuclear weapons. And uh, one can see why the, the oligarchy, which includes a hardline Zionist contingent, uh, I mean, remember the city of London is the world banking capital, and the Rothschild Empire is largely centered there. Uh, so, so these kinds of forces uh, absolutely do not want to allow Jeremy Corbyn to win. And uh, we shouldn't be surprised if there are dirty tricks, false flags, and so on uh, aimed at keeping Corbyn out of power.
0: I'm speaking with author and radio host Dr. Kevin Barrett. Today's show, Manchester False Flag. I'm Bonnie Faulkner. This is Guns and Butter. With regard to the investigations that uh, labor leader Jeremy Corbyn would like to get going, he also is interested in investigating these reports of pedophile rings
2: yeah that's a, another uh, very sensitive issue in the uk where it's now known that you know not only was jimmy saville a uh, very very famous celebrity uh, comedian and so on it turned out he was uh, a very very uh, repeat offender in this area uh, basically he molested hundreds if not thousands of children And all sorts of people around him at the top level of the BBC and indeed his close friends throughout the British government, including people like Tony Blair, all should have known about this and probably did. But uh, this has been traced back to people like Heath, Edward Heath, the former prime minister, was uh, linked to this elite uh, pedophile ring. And it's, it's come out of the shadows where it still is here in the U.S. You know, here in the U.S., the only time you'll hear anybody talking about the Franklin scandal uh, or the you know supposed recent incarnation of that at Pizzagate, which I hasten to add is not nearly as well documented. And I think many of these allegations around Pizzagate uh, may not be correct, although maybe there's some fire there. There's certainly plenty of smoke. But there, there are, are very well-proven assertions that, the top level of U.S. government has been complicit in, uh, in elite pedophilia here in the United States. The Franklin scandal, uh, which is you know, based on the work of John DeCamp, the Nebraska state legislator who uncovered some of this stuff during the Bush era, uh, Reagan-Bush era, that's all very well documented. So we know here in the U.S. that as, as the uh, books by Nick Bryant Um, and John DeCamp, the Franklin scandal and the Franklin cover-up, prove, and and you can see this in the online internet video called Conspiracy of Silence, uh, that that the top level of the Republican Party, the White House, uh, I believe was the Bush White House, uh, the uh, Nebraska big media, uh, the national big media, including the Washington Post and New York Times, and uh, the CIA and FBI were all essentially under the thumb of this elite pedophile ring. And former CIA director William Colby uh, admitted it to DeCamp and said, someday maybe we can make some progress against these people, but it's not going to happen anytime real soon, and for helping DeCamp try to bust this elite pedophile ring that was taking call boys on tours, uh, midnight tours of the Bush White House. Uh, CIA director, former CIA director William Colby, then suddenly drowned in a supposed boating accident. Uh, you know, this, this stuff is well, well documented. And likewise in the UK, the stuff around Jimmy Savile, his good friend Tony Blair. Uh, Heath and people like that is uh, now not only some of it is pretty well documented, apparently. I mean, this isn't my number one issue, but I I, I do look at it uh, because it's one of the important issues that the mainstream usually won't cover. But that's breaking into the mainstream now in the UK. Uh, the Jimmy Savile part is totally mainstream now. And uh, it's now part of the official record that Savile was a uh, serial offender. And it was very close to many of the you know, most powerful people in the UK, who looked to be also serial offenders. So, uh, this is a kind of issue again that, when Jeremy Corbyn, uh, a very you know honest and principled man, is uh, interested in investigating this, uh, that poses a a threat. You know what might be even called an actionable threat to certain corrupt elements of the power structure in the U.K., of the oligarchy. And so that's yet another reason that they don't want Corbyn to ever be anywhere near the prime minister's office.
0: Well, with regard to the Manchester bombing, is there any significance in your opinion that the targets of this terror attack were young people?
2: Yeah, I'm actually indebted to my co-editor at Veterans Today, Ian Greenhall, for that insight. Uh, He pointed out that this concert that was targeted was attracting uh, a very, very young demographic. And so the public relations effect of this is that the, you know, the evil ones, the, you know, the evil radical Muslims who hate our freedom, especially hate young people who go out and have fun. And the surge for Corbyn had been happening among young people. So to get those young people out of a, a, you know, mindset of hope for real economic change through Corbin and into a state of fear based on the you know the evil threat that's attacking them and could blow them all up and therefore we must rally around the strong conservative traditional leader Theresa May. Uh this is perhaps one aspect of, of this operation as a PSYOP. And it reminded me of what happened over in Paris on November thirteenth, twenty fifteen, when the Bataclan nightclub was targeted for a similar false flag. Uh, In that case, it's been pointed out by people like Alain Soral, the uh, great French political analyst, whose politics I don't completely share, but I I certainly admire his work. Uh, He he pointed out that by attacking the young people in the Baraklan, the perpetrators were effectively working against the surge in support for Palestine among French young people. And it, it really would make no sense that so-called radical Muslims would attack that demographic in France or would attack innocent civilians of any kind. Uh, this this is another is, issue, Bonnie, that comes up is, you know, why are these kinds of targets attacked? Why are innocent civilians or young people at concerts attacked uh, if these were actual radical Muslims whose beef is that the West has come and you know, murdered millions of Muslims in these wars of aggression? Then naturally the angry radical muslims would want to take revenge against the people responsible for that such as you know bush cheney rumsfeld tony blair people like that they would be the ones targeted uh but by targeting innocent civilians especially the very people who were more on their side the young people uh these radical muslims would be shooting themselves in the foot and it would be you know it's but it's basically utterly irrational and of course we're being told, oh, these crazy Muslims, they're completely irrational, so they'll just blow people up for no good reason. That's essentially what we're getting from our mainstream media. And that's – they're convincing us to not use our reason. They're, they're essentially uh, taking us out of a world of reason in which people act for rational motives that can be understood through rational thinking – and into a world of this, you know, atavistic, caveman, uh, tribal kind of emotion in which thought doesn't exist. And all we do is rally around the strong leader who will protect us because we're so fearful. Uh, so uh, we really need to stop and, and, and ask ourselves, who targets innocent civilians? And the answer was given to us by one of the perpetrators of Operation Gladio, a guy who was working for the U.S. Pentagon through NATO murdering people, mass murdering civilians, and uh, having it blamed on the left during the Gladio era of the Cold War. And this guy, uh, a convicted terrorist, said, well, you had to target the you know, civilians, women, children, uh, innocent people who were clearly far removed from any political game. And the purpose is to force people to run to the state in search of greater security. So whenever innocent civilians are attacked in an ostensible terrorist attack, we should assume, unless other evidence surfaces, that this has been done by the people who will benefit, that is, people who want us to run to the state, and especially its authoritarian figures and parties, in search of greater security. On the other hand, if... A supposed Muslim attacks Cheney, Rumsfeld, Tony Blair, or some other war criminal who's murdered millions of Muslims, uh, or who engages in what might be called rational military action in places like Palestine, designed to uh, undermine the Israeli genocide of the Palestinians, and, and there are many other cases of actual, call it terrorism, if you will, attacks on occupation forces in occupied countries, then that would be a rational military action by. The so-called radicals who did it. So this who benefits issue is crucial to understanding who's actually behind terrorism because you know, terrorism is a military uh, tactic. That's all it is. It means attacking civilians uh, as a military tactic. So whenever civilians are attacked, the people attacking them are the people who benefit from it. This is a crucial thing to keep in mind.
0: As reported by Mail Online, Ramadan Abedi, the father of Manchester Arena accused bomber Salman Abedi, claims his son seemed normal when they last spoke five days ago and insists, we don't believe in killing innocents. Abedi's younger brother, Hashim, has also reportedly been arrested in Tripoli, Libya, on suspicion of having links to ISIS that claimed responsibility for the atrocity. I've seen pictures of the dead Salman Abedi and his two brothers. They look like very nice boys. The media is linking them with the Libya Islamic Fighting Group. What do we know about the Libya Islamic Fighting Group? The Libya Islamic Fighting Group was supported by NATO against Gaddafi, wasn't it?
2: That's right. The Libya Islamic Fighting Group is is basically a bunch of mercenaries working for the UK and the US, Uh, and their long-term mission was to go after Gaddafi, and and they succeeded. David Shaler has revealed how he uh, blew the whistle on a plot, an MI6 British intelligence plot, to use this Libyan Islamic Fighting Group to assassinate Gaddafi, and apparently they tried it, and ended up killing a bunch of innocent people, but not Gaddafi, and, and Shaler blew the whistle on that. So the the group that this uh, guy Salman Abedi, the alleged perpetrator of the Manchester bombing, supposedly is associated with, and his father is associated with that group, uh, is in fact an arm of British intelligence. So if we are going to to blame that group for this bombing, then what we're really doing is blaming the British government for the bombing, And and it wouldn't be surprising, in fact, if the perpetrators of this likely false flag stunt would use assets of theirs uh, as patsies. Uh, We've seen this pattern over and over and over. The uh, 15 of the 19 alleged 9-11 hijackers, that is the the 15 from Saudi Arabia, were in fact CIA agents who entered the United States on a special kind of of work visa that's reserved for uh, CIA snitches. It's called a snitch visa, and they give them a a wad of cash and a snitch visa as a reward for their service to the CIA. So we had CIA agents who were the alleged uh, 9-11 perps. In fact, of course, they were innocent patsies. They weren't really on the planes, but they they were set up because they worked for uh, those who were orchestrating the event, and so they could be told what to do. And so likewise, if Salman Abedi was in fact uh, part of a family association with the Libyan Islamic Fighting Group, then the MI6 British intelligence masters who run that group and fund it uh, could very easily have had Salman Abedi carry a package to the concert or something like that. Uh, or it's always possible that he was brainwashed and carried out this bombing uh, as, as a kind of a brainwashed Manchurian candidate. Uh, that's another uh, way that suicide bombers can actually be manufactured. There are some suicide bombs that are real suicide bombs, though in this case, again, the U.S. government has shown us photos that show that this bomb was likely not a suicide bomb, but it was a remote control bomb. So most likely Salman Abedi was blown up by remote control. And that would follow with what his father said about how he looked totally normal and relaxed and everything. And uh, the, you know others who knew him and his relatives are all saying this doesn't make any sense. Uh, that's a pattern we've seen. I, I saw it in Morocco with the big terror events there. Likewise, the people blamed for those, uh, bombings at the Casablanca bombings, for example, were in fact, uh, almost certainly innocent patsies who'd been set up. I talked to the top mainstream terror journalist in Morocco who knew this. He certainly wouldn't want me to quote him by name <laughs> because he'd be in trouble with the Moroccan government. But this is, this is the sort of pattern we see over and over and over as intelligence services and their organized crime Uh, Affiliates working for oligarchies and the deep state pull off these events and uh, blame them on on the whichever patsies they choose.
0: Kevin Barrett, thank you very much.
2: Thank you, Bonnie. I I love being with you, and uh, I'm a big fan of your show.
0: Been speaking with Dr. Kevin Barrett. Today's show has been Manchester False Flag. Dr. Barrett has taught Arabic, Islamic studies, folklore, African literature, French, and humanities at the University of Wisconsin-Madison and San Francisco State University. He holds a Ph.D. in African languages, Arabic, with an Islamic studies focus from the University of Wisconsin-Madison. He is the editor of a trilogy of anthologies on false flag events. We are not Charlie Hebdo, Freethinkers Question the French 9-11 another French false flag, bloody tracks from Paris to San Bernardino, and his most recent Orlando false flag, the Clash of Histories. Catch Kevin Barrett's False Flag Weekly News every Friday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific at noliesradio.org. Visit his website at truthjihad.com. That's truthjihad.com. Guns and Butter is produced by Bonnie Faulkner, Yara Mako, and Tony Rango. Visit us at gunsandbutter.org to listen to past programs, comment on shows, or join our email list to receive our newsletter that includes recent shows and updates. Email us at faulkner at gunsandbutter.org. Follow us on Twitter at GB Radio.
1: Hey, yo!